Basketball fans worldwide, welcome to the Draft and Stash NBA podcast. I'm your host, Tim Smith, and today we are going to be continuing on my 2020 NBA mock draft with picks 16 through 30. So last we left off, I had the Orlando Magic taking Tyrese Maxey, 15th overall, and today we're going to be starting with the Portland Trailblazers who hold the 16th pick. So with the 16th pick, I have the Portland Trailblazers selecting Sadiq Bey out of Villanova. Now Sadiq Bey has a chance at going lottery. I think he can go as high as 11 to the Spurs or 12 to the Kings. Uh, but in this mock draft with Tyrell Terry going 10th and Halliburton and Williams falling a couple spots, I think Sadiq Bey has a chance of falling out of the lottery. If it all plays out like this. And this actually might be the best player to team fit in this whole mock draft with the Portland Trailblazers needing to kind of bolster their wing, uh, bring a bit more uh, defense on the wing in particular. Now, Sadiq Bey is not a standout uh, defender by any means, but he can definitely be a potential plus on that end of the court. Now, what Bey can contribute straight away to the Portland Trailblazers is his amazing three-point shooting. Uh, I feel like it is quite translatable. Uh, He was actually one of the best three-point shooters in college basketball. And he can play the three, he can play the four, and those are positions that Portland really needs to address. Uh, In the bubble, the kind of lineups they were running with uh, consisted, of course, of Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum in the the backcourt, which is definitely a weak defensive backcourt, yet completely uh, packed with offense. They were usually running Gary Trent Jr. at the three, and I feel like even though Gary Trent Jr. had, had a great bubble, and looks like he could make a jump next season in terms of his scoring production. You definitely need uh, a more solid, multi-positional uh, defensive player out there with someone like Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum on the court as well. And at the four uh, and the five, what they've commonly been running has been Zach Collins and Yusuf Nurkic. Now, I love both of those players. I feel like they're very good NBA players, and Zach Collins has a lot of potential in this league. But I don't like the idea of them on the court at the same times. At the same time, uh, I view Zach Collins as more of a five, uh, similar to Yusuf Nurkic. And for Portland, I feel they need to embrace uh, playing a bit more small ball, uh, which is a common trend with a lot of teams at the moment. And putting someone like Sadiq Bey out there, uh, who can play the three, he can play the four. I think he is a little more suited to play the four, just in terms of uh, his strengths defensively. But adding a a player like Sadiq Bey to this Portland Trailblazers team who has other young guys like uh, Anthony Simons, uh, Gary Trent Jr., uh, Nasir Little, that could be super exciting and a step in the right direction for the Portland Trailblazers who are looking to add those kind of role players who they can surround their core of Dame, CJ, and Yusuf Nurkic with. Now with the 17th overall pick, I have the Minnesota Timberwolves via the Brooklyn Nets selecting Kyra Lewis Jr. out of Alabama. Now with Kyra Lewis Jr., his draft stock appears to be rising a bit, but due to how many just talented point guards there are in this draft, are not necessarily like high-end talented, but all of them are deserving of a lottery selection uh, in terms of this draft class. But Kyra Lewis Jr. in this in this mock is the odd one out, and here falls out of the lottery. I can see Kyra Lewis Jr. going as high as 10 to the Phoenix Suns. There's even some talks of him potentially going 8th to the Knicks. Uh, but he can equally fall as far as 17, in my opinion. Uh, for the Timberwolves, this would be a great selection. So, uh, keeping in mind that they selected Anthony Edwards with the first overall pick, and he would li- likely slot in 
as kind of your um your starting small forward in this instance. Uh, for the Minnesota Timberwolves, the 17th pick is, is pretty much about either finding a backup point guard uh, because they don't really have anyone like barring free agency behind D'Angelo Russell. And, or it's about finding uh, a four to play next to Carl Anthony Towns, probably someone pretty defensive-minded. But I think that they definitely will be looking to use uh, the 33rd pick on someone like that. Because I feel like there are probably a lot more players which provide a more defensive-oriented uh, view of the game available at 33. I'm talking your, your Tyler Bay kind of uh, players, Robert Woodard, those kind of guys you can slot in at the four. But here, we've got Kyrie Lewis Jr. going to the Timberwolves at pick 17. Now, Kyrie Lewis Jr. is exciting. He's the fastest player in this draft class, and I do feel like he has quite a bit of upside. Uh, he is uh, He's made huge strides as uh, a playmaker. Now, his decision-making his decision -making still does need a bit of refining, a bit of fine-tuning. Uh, but for Kyrie Lewis Jr., uh, the pace at which he plays at, his ability to make reads in transition which, as I've mentioned, huge strides there. Uh, and he does have an underrated ability uh, to hit the three-point shot uh, when the defense backs off him, uh, particularly when they go under screens. I do feel like he has quite a bit of uh, three-level scoring potential and could end up way outplaying his uh, his draft, draft selection. But for here, for the Timberwolves, if we're putting him off the bench as in kind of a sixth-man role, uh, he could definitely uh, control the pace of the game off the bench uh, and really come into the game with a lot of energy, and that could be exciting for a Timberwolves team, which needs a bit of a, a kick in the back uh, to get going again after a hugely disappointing season. So for the 18th overall pick, I have the Dallas Mavericks selecting Cole Anthony, another point guard who has fallen out of, out of the lottery. Now, I know a lot of people like him 14th overall to the Celtics. As a Celtics fan, I would not mind that. Uh, but with Cole Anthony... He, he entered the season as a top three projected pick and has kind of fallen from grace here after a disappointing season with uh, UNC. But I, I still like Cole Anthony as kind of like a top 12 prospect in this draft, but there definitely is a chance that he falls into the later lottery and I feel like the lowest he could potentially drop is like to 20th to the Heat. But here we have him going 18th to the Mavericks. For the Mavericks, they would ideally be targeting a wing forward kind of player uh, especially with Dorian Finney-Smith being probably one of their only true wings on the roster that you can surround uh, Luca and Porzingis with. But in this instance, I feel like Cole Anthony's talent is a bit too hard to pass up on, especially if you're the Dallas Mavericks, and this is probably one of the highest draft picks you're going to get in years to come. Uh, they could definitely uh, be considering someone like Jaden McD uh, McDaniels at this point of the draft, someone like Paul Reed uh, as well. But there aren't a, aren't a lot of true threes which you can take here, which would be seen as worth their value. Uh, maybe a Desmond Bain or a Josh Green. I'm not a big Josh Green fan, though. But Cole Anthony is definitely the best player available in this instance and a bit too hard to pass up on. Now, I like Cole Anthony's pull-up shooting. I like his uh, ability to shoot off the dribble. And I feel like he's that's where he's going to make his money at the next level. Uh, he's going to be a bit of a microwave scorer. He reminds me a lot of Austin Rivers in that regard. And I feel like that is still pretty valuable at the next level. And if you can get that in the in the late lottery in a weak draft class, or even in, in the late teens here, uh, that is a lot of value coming in. 
So now with the 19th overall pick, I have the Brooklyn Nets via the Philadelphia 76ers, taking one of the draft's most uh, intriguing and mysterious prospects in Alexiev Pokashevsky. So with Poku, where to begin? Some people are in more of like kind of the, the Reddit and draft Twitter oriented side of the draft community have him as a top three, top five player uh, on their big boards. I personally don't. Uh, but there definitely is that upside there due to his unique skill set. And uh, but equally, he could he could uh, just absolutely bust. A lot of that comes down to uh, his his frame. His frame is nowhere near NBA ready. And uh, also skill wise, uh, for a player that his draft stock banks on uh, a lot of his, the unique skills that he brings at, at the four and the five uh, in terms of uh, his shooting versatility. And I still love his, his footwork, but that he definitely needs to have a more disciplined approach uh, to shooting the three ball. And uh, also his decision-making with his playmaking. Uh, sure, he's an incredibly flashy playmaker and makes some amazing reads uh, for someone of his size and his great mobility to be able to get off those reads. Uh, but similarly, he, he his decision-making uh, just needs to be a lot more smarter in the kind of uh, passes he tries to pull off. Uh, but here at 19, I feel like that's a, that's a worthwhile gamble if you're a Brooklyn Nets uh, team, which is getting such a high pick due to having Kyrie out most of the season and KD out the whole season. And for the Brooklyn Nets, like the Dallas Mavericks, they're probably looking for a wing or a forward. Uh, players that come to mind at this pick, uh, Desmond Bain, uh, Josh Green, uh, potentially trying out uh, Precious Oshawa, uh, Jada McDaniels, Paul Reed. But uh, like with Cole Anthony, I think uh, Pokashevsky, a younger player, uh, and more of a bet on upside, would be really interesting here for the Brooklyn Nets. And Sean Marks has been known uh, to kind of lean towards international players, as seen with uh, him picking up um, Kuroks and uh, and uh, Jana Musa in the same draft. I think he might go uh, Pokashevsky if he's on the board at this point of the draft. Now, there's a huge chance that Poku doesn't have much of an impact. Not even a huge chance, it's almost a guarantee. That he doesn't have much of an impact uh, in his first few seasons in the, in the league, whether that's the first three years or whatsoever. He's probably going to spend a lot of time um, with the G League affiliate. Uh, but here for the Brooklyn Nets, um, that's a bit of a worthwhile gamble uh, in my eyes. They've also got another similar kind of project they're working on, and Nicholas Claxton, who is a prospect that um, I love. Um, and with Poku, they can kind of try to mould him in what they want him to be, uh, whether that's more of a, a perimeter-oriented player, uh, more of a three, which I think Poku himself has talked about potentially playing, or more of a, a five and taking advantage of the uh, incredibly unique skill set uh, with his guard skills uh, against uh, taller, likely slower players uh, at the five. So with the 20th pick, I have the Miami Heat selecting Jalen Smith from Maryland. Uh, with Jalen Smith, he's been getting a lot of buzz in terms of going into the lottery. Almost all of that has been coming from uh, Wasserman, and I don't know how much I trust that because it did kind of come out of nowhere. Uh, I, I wouldn't rule it out completely though, uh, but in this instance, I have him falling a little to the Miami Heat at 20. So the Miami Heat, at this point, they're just looking to... Uh, I'd say address the the big men situation. Uh, when Bam Adebayo went down, uh, Kelly Olynyk and Myers Leonard were the ones who stepped up, and I'm I'm doubting that Myers Leonard uh, resigns because 
yesterday he did point out how he wanted to sign with a, a championship team willing to give him 20 to 25 minutes. Um, and the Miami Heat, I don't think, would be willing to do so. Uh, they could also go for a point guard because I don't feel Kendrick Nunn is quite your solution there. And of course, Dragic is a free agent and getting older. Jalen Smith is probably one of the players with the highest draft stock. So I think this might be his flaw if those uh, lottery buzz reports are true. Uh, for the Miami Heat, uh, the main skills in which Jalen Smith is going to be able to provide uh, are his uh, ability to stretch the floor. He's uh, become quite the competent three-point shooter, and that is valuable uh, from the five. And he also looks like he can translate as potentially uh, a rim protector. Not, not a great one, but an average to above average one, and a good rebounder. Now, for the Miami Heat, they have been toying uh, with a few ideas of playing Bam at a bow next to a big man, and with Smith's ability to stretch the floor and uh, to be at least average to above average defensively uh, next to Bam, who is an all-defensive caliber player, I feel like that would be um, quite an interesting tandem for the Miami Heat to, to try out, and I think there is a likely chance that they do. So with the 21st pick, I have the Philadelphia 76ers via the Oklahoma City Thunder, taking Desmond Bain. Now, Bain has been a bit of a, a riser in the pre-draft process, uh, despite it being uh, a weird process. Uh, Bain, I think, is likely to go off the board between picks 21 and 24. Uh, I, I don't see the Bucks passing on him, and I think he would be uh, an amazing fit in Philadelphia uh, with their current core. Now, Desmond Bain is one of the older prospects in this draft, uh, but that also means that he's one of the most proven prospects in this draft. Uh, he can come into the league and contribute as a three-point specialist uh, straight away, uh, even though his form is a little funky. Uh, he's a great movement shooter, uh, catch-and-shoot player, and he was shooting north of 40% the past few seasons. So I feel like that is a translatable skill for him. And the Philadelphia 76ers desperately need that sort of three-point shooting. Uh, a a backcourt or a shooting guard small forward duo uh, off the bench of Desmond Bain and uh, Furkan Korkmaz could be quite interesting. Bain's ability to play as a complementary player with his uh, shooting ability, his secondary playmaking, uh, and his defensive versatility makes him an ideal fit for this uh, Philadelphia 76ers team who are trying to surround uh, Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid uh, with these sorts of players. And uh, Bain himself has said that apparently his 76ers interview went very well. Uh, and even though there might be a bit of bias there on his behalf, uh, I like this fit between Philadelphia and Desmond Bain. Uh, Isaiah Joe is another name that comes to mind who could be a good fit here in Philadelphia. I don't know if they're, they're willing to take him this high. Uh, I personally would. Uh, but that is just something to keep an eye on. So with the 22nd pick, I have the Denver Nuggets via the Houston Rockets taking Precious Achua out of Memphis. Now, Precious is a pretty polarizing prospect. I know some people that have him on their big board, closer to the 35 to 50 range, and others who would be willing to take him in the lottery. Uh, so, with the Denver Nuggets, I imagine what they'll be looking for is to address their power forward position uh, with Paul Millsap, uh, you know, getting up there in age, and uh, with Jeremy Grant uh, having having a great season, but being a free agent and uh, garnering a lot of interest, especially after a very successful playoff run. 
uh, it's likely that they look for a defensive-oriented four to place next to Nikola Jokic as a bit of a precautionary in case uh, they lose Grant or Millsap makes a significant a significant regression. Uh, Precious Achua isn't the guy that I personally would take in this situation, but with the kind of buzz he's getting, I imagine the Denver Nuggets, uh, among many uh, among many other teams in this range, uh, are probably uh, fielding a lot of interest for him. Now with Achua, the main uh, selling point of his game is his upside. Despite being uh, an older freshman, uh, he he is pretty raw. And it was his first season playing as a big man rather than a wing player, which is what he did primarily in high school. And he showed uh, some potential as a versatile defender. Now, I'm not quite sold, as I've, I've mentioned in a, a previous episode, on, on his uh, ability uh, to change uh, directions uh, compared to a lot of other people. But he has shown in glimpses uh, an ability to contain uh, perimeter drives and uh, defend defend guards through to big men, and uh, for the Denver Nuggets uh, with Nikola Jokic not being a great defensive player uh, nor a good one, uh, getting that kind of player who can cover several positions and really work his ass off is probably a good move for the Denver Nuggets. Personally, I would rather take someone like Paul Reed or even Tyler Bay uh, at this point of the draft uh, for the Denver Nuggets, who both of them I feel. Uh, definitely better defenders, uh, better decision makers, and provide a lot more offensive upside. Uh, but Achua, there has been uh, some signs of uh, some improved uh, passing ability, uh, which, which is exciting, especially for a Nuggets team, which really loves to get the ball moving around. Uh, but I'm not quite sold on him, but I do think he might be the pick here for the Nuggets at 22 if he's available. With the 23rd overall pick, I have the Utah Jazz selecting Teo Maladon uh, out of France. Uh, he was a pretty highly regarded uh, prospect in the preseason coming into this draft. Uh, ESPN, I'm pretty sure, had him ranked uh, top three. And on a lot of mock drafts, he was seen in that top six to top seven range. Uh, but now his draft stock has fallen off a bit. I think at, at the highest, he could go 14th to the Celtics. But that, even that might be a stretch uh, in terms of how NBA front offices view him. Uh, but I think this kind of 17 uh, to 24 range is much more likely for him. A lot of the reasoning for his draft stock falling off a bit is due to uh, an injury that he was dealing with, which kind of limited uh, his production, and also not being the, the sexiest of uh, prospects. When you've got uh, another Frenchman and Killian Hayes, who has very Harden-esque uh, step-backs, and uh, someone like LaMelo Ball, with the absolute uh, flair in which, and flamboyance in which he passes the ball with, uh, it's, it's all very exciting. And Tyra Melodon is, in my opinion, a lot more fundamental, uh, not as highlight-oriented or exciting to watch, but uh, I, would, I would take him uh, top 10 in this draft. Uh, I love his ability to play within the pick-and-roll, Shows a lot of uh, good control, uh, whether it's body control or control of pace. Um, he's a great shooter, uh, and even though he did shoot a relatively low percentage uh, from three, his mechanics look great, uh, and his rhythm. Uh, and here for the Utah Jazz, I imagine they are looking for a guard, uh, some sort of initiator. Uh, with Mike Conley having an incredibly disappointing uh, season with the Utah Jazz, and then not having uh, a lot of other playmaking options outside of Donovan Mitchell or Joe uh, Ingles. 
Terra Maladon can take a few years to develop in Utah's system, and they have, uh, from what I'm aware, great player development, and uh, really become uh, an interesting uh, backcourt running mate uh, to Donovan Mitchell. And I love the idea of the dynamic between those two players, with Donovan Mitchell being one of the best uh, scorers at the shooting guard position, uh, a great shot creator, uh, and also uh, a capable playmaker. And then someone like Melodon, who is uh, very adept in the pick and roll, uh, and also can play off the ball. Uh, I think that's a very valuable skill uh, for a lot of these uh, guard prospects to have, is to be able to not only play on the ball and create for others, but be comfortable with playing off the ball. Uh, Melodon is a great catch-and-shoot player, and could complement Donovan Mitchell very well uh, with the Utah Jazz. Now with the 24th overall pick, I have the Milwaukee Bucks via the Indiana Pacers, selecting Isaiah Joe out of Arkansas. Now Joe is a name that I mentioned before when talking about the 76ers, and I feel that one of Bain or Joe is likely to end up in either Philadelphia or Milwaukee at one of these picks, due to them looking for these sorts of players to surround their relatively non-shooting uh, uh, primary initiators in Ben Simmons and Giannis Antetokounmpo. Uh, but with Isaiah Joe, he is, if not the best shooter uh, in this draft class. Uh, even though he shot a relatively low percentage uh, in college this past season, it was on a high volume, and he was still nailing around three three-pointers a game. Uh, he has great shot mechanics. is uh, incredible uh, in movement shooting. Um, and he also provides uh, great defense. Uh, even though he has an incredibly uh, thin frame, uh, he definitely needs to try and bulk up, and it is, in con it is a concern that he hasn't been able to put on much weight uh, so far uh, in his sophomore season. But when it comes down to it, Isaiah Joe is going to be a specialist in the NBA, uh, truly a 3 and D specialist, uh, and I, I don't have any questions uh, to his uh, defensive ability. I, d I definitely think that he, he will be a plus defender, at the next level, regardless of his weight, uh, spe especially in Milwaukee's system. And uh, he could end up being uh, one of the top three-point uh, specialists in the NBA. And at, at the 24th pick, this is great value. Uh, Isaiah Joe has been a player that has gone pretty underrated uh, in a lot of uh, draft analysis uh, this season. Uh, I know some people are kind of waking up to the idea of him uh, potentially being worth a top 20 selection. In this draft, but there are mock drafts that have him kind of early to mid second, and uh, when you come to think about about it, that, that's a bit ludicrous considering uh, his his shooting ability and how valuable that is in today's NBA and uh, how translatable his shooting is likely to be. And for the Milwaukee Bucks, uh, that could make for an interesting uh, little uh, wing rotation of uh, Dante DiVincenzo, uh, Wesley Matthews, if they bring him back, and uh, Isaiah Joe, uh, providing a, a lot of uh, two-way versatility there, uh, which should be quite exciting, and uh, this draft pick is probably going to be pretty important uh, towards showing Giannis that the, the team is trying to compete and retaining him uh, for 2021 free agency. Uh, not This pick doesn't necessarily have to be a big boom, but if you can show Giannis, hey, Look, man, we're surrounding you with pieces, which you are going to be able to play off you, and are going to be able to have an impact in a playoff series. And I feel like Isaiah Joe is the kind of player that can do so with his uh, with his two-way talents. Uh, now, with the 25th overall pick, 
I have the Oklahoma City Thunder via the Denver Nuggets, selecting Josh Green out of Arizona. Uh, now, with Josh Green, I could see him going as high as 16 to the Trailblazers if someone like Sadiq Bay isn't there and they're not able to move back, or even uh, 19th to the Brooklyn Nets, which I feel is quite realistic. Uh, but due to, due to team fit and team need in this mock draft, I have him falling a little to the Oklahoma City Thunder at the 25th overall pick. Now, they do have a collection of, uh, of young guards with great athleticism, uh, and, and Josh Green would just add to that. Uh, we've got Hamadou Diallo, uh, Lugent Stort, uh, but with Josh Green, uh, he, I didn't even mention Terrence Ferguson. Maybe that's for a reason, but with Josh Green, I definitely feel he is a better uh, three-point shooter um, than those guys and could potentially be a better defender at the next level, likely has the highest upside out of all those options. And there's definitely no harm in playing him next to uh, some of those guys, uh, throwing out one of your point guards out there. And the, the Thunder um, played a lot of small ball this year, especially those three-guard lineups of uh, Dennis Schroeder, Chris Paul, and Shea Gilgis-Alexander. And then when you've got a lot of uh, wing options as well, you can bring a lot of versatility uh, to the way you play. And I, I wouldn't be surprised if, if they take Josh Green and we start seeing lineups sometimes of uh, of Chris Paul, Dennis Schroeder, and, uh, and Shea Gilgis-Alexander, and then we saw like Darius Baisley and uh, Stephen Adams. Or sometimes we see, hey, we're going to throw Chris Paul out there, but then we're also going to throw uh, Lucian Storrs out there and Josh Green and just play around with uh, that, that sort of rotation. Now, with the Boston Celtics at pick 26, they are likely not to keep this pick. There is a chance that they package 14, 26, and 30 and try to move up in that 6-8 range and target someone like Onyeka Okongwu, or there, there is a range of things that they could decide to do, or maybe try to uh, find a, a more veteran asset uh, to help them in terms of making a, a championship push. Uh, but in this instance... We've, uh, at the 14th pick, I've had them select RJ Hampton, and in the case of them t uh, keeping the 26th pick, they're likely to pick uh, a project or a draft and stash candidate, and uh, there is a perfect draft and stash candidate uh, at this point in the draft, and it's Leandro Bomaro uh, from Barcelona. He just signed a long-term contract with Barcelona, uh, which could indicate that he is uh, open to being stashed overseas for a little bit while a team uh, sorts out their roster in terms of what they want to do and finally has enough space. But Bomaro is definitely an interesting prospect. The main appeal of his game is his uh, his uh, upside as an initiator at his size. At six foot seven, pretty sure he's got like a six eight wingspan. Uh, he's a big guard, and he has shown to be uh, quite an exciting playmaker. Uh, with some really flashy and accurate passes with Barcelona. Uh, and also, he's able to use his length uh, to get to the rim. Not necessarily an explosive finisher. And that definitely worries me. Uh, he's completely a below-the-rim to player. But he knows how to use his length uh, to get to the rim uh, and finish the way he wants to. And uh, he also uses that length on defense. I felt like he made um, huge strides on that end of the court uh, this year with Barcelona, especially in their return uh, post uh, the COVID hiatus. And uh, he has potential uh, to be a really good man-to-man uh, -man defender. For the Boston Celtics here, they don't have a huge amount of needs, uh, especially with having taken Hampton already to kind of cover for a potential uh, move on from Brad Wanamaker as uh, your backup point guard, 
or just a, a complimentary guard to Marcus Smart. But Balmoro is more of a long-term uh, project uh, for the Celtics in this uh, in this situation, and uh, could definitely end up coming over and uh, playing uh, a similar role, uh, not to the extent of Marcus Smart, but uh, playing in similar sets where they put the ball in his hands and he's asked uh, to be more of a secondary playmaker and uh, play off of a scoring a score first uh, guard uh, in the NBA, but also contribute on the defensive end of the court. With the twenty seventh overall pick. I have the New York Knicks via the Los Angeles Clippers, taking Jaden McDaniels. Now in the preseason, Jaden McDaniels was a very highly touted player. Uh, a lot of, uh, especially early on, uh, super early on in the draft process, some people had him number one on their boards. Uh, I know one guy who still does, but when it, when it comes to Jaden McDaniels, he did have a disappointing season at Washington. Uh, it was incredibly inefficient, shooting just 40% from the field, and uh, it's pretty turnover prone as well. So those those are worrying concerns. Uh, it's the kind of guy who looked like he was trying to play as a star, uh, creating off the dribble, but just wasn't converting on these attempts. But what is what is tantalizing about Jaden McDaniels is the fluidity, fluidity at which he plays. Uh, I... There's no current official measurement, but he looks about 6'10". I know there are some things uh, saying that he's 6'9". He looks 6'10 to me, and uh, I think he's definitely capable of not only playing the powerful position, but also playing small forward uh, and taking advantage of his uh, height and uh, agility and mobility. But it is his shot creation potential, uh, which is so exciting about him. And if you're here at the 27th pick with the Knicks, uh, the Knicks have been a struggling franchise. And even though they could go for uh, a worthwhile bet on uh, a more solidified prospect, uh, Jaden McDaniels would be uh, a great gamble for them. I personally would take uh, McDaniels as high as like 16 to the Trailblazers. I feel like he'd be a great fit there. I'm not too concerned about his inefficiency. I feel like at the next level, in a more humbled role, he can really stick, uh, especially at the beginning of his career, to a 3 and D role uh, from the front court. Uh, but here, here for the Knicks, uh, they can take on this young project who seems to have his draft stock uh, dropping quite significantly uh, throughout the season and try to tap into that star potential on both ends of the court and uh, see if that plays out well for them. With the 28th overall pick, I have the Los Angeles Lakers selecting Malachi Flynn. Now, Flynn has been a bit of a riser as of recently. Uh, there's a lot of rumors going around of him having quite the successful pre-draft process and getting some interest in, in the late first, especially in the, in the 20s. And uh, for the Lakers, uh, I think addressing that backup point guard uh, position w- would be uh, uh, probably a likely uh, outcome for them in this draft. With Rondo getting older and older, and uh, Alex Caruso being able to play both guard positions, uh, it wouldn't hurt the Lakers to look for a bit of a, an, uh, an induction of youth at the point guard position. And with Malachi Flynn, uh, he is probably one of the better playmakers uh, in this draft class, uh, not from overseas, uh, because of course this draft class has 
some amazing passing talents like Lamella Ball uh, and Killian Hayes and Taylor Melodon when it comes to the pick and roll in this draft class. Uh, but Flynn is uh, very talented in the pick and roll. Uh, he's not the most physically imposing of players, but he does uh, he does work his ass off on that end as quite a pesky defender. Uh, I've heard some comparisons to Fred Van Vliet uh, in that regard. Uh, I, I don't buy into his upside, uh, being that of what Fred Van Vliet has turned out to be. But uh, he definitely fits the profile of an NBA backup point guard in terms of uh, that leadership, uh, being able to play within the pick and roll. Um, he's a great shooter with the NBA range. Uh, and I could definitely see uh, him going to the Lakers here, uh, 28th overall, as they look to just add a young piece uh, who can contribute, uh, although minorly, uh, towards their championship efforts, and possibly long-term be a good, solid backup point guard option. Now with the 29th overall pick, I have the Toronto Raptors selecting Zeke Naji out of uh, Arizona. Now with the Raptors, I think they go one of two ways here. So, the first way I can see it going is possibly looking to grab a backup point guard, uh, with Fred Van Vliet going onto the market, and it's not a guarantee that Toronto are going to be able to re-sign him. It could be good to look up, look for a point guard, uh, to kind of cover for that potential departure, uh, which they could also address in free agency, but at least in the draft, you know, you know you're going to come out with one. Uh, our options for that would be Malachi Flynn who I could see them taking if he was not off the board. Uh, guys like Devon Dotson, who they've recently worked out, and apparently that's gone pretty well. Uh, Trey Jones, Grant Rilla, who I'm a big fan of in terms of coming into the league as an immediate uh, NBA-ready scorer. Uh, even guys like Nico Mannion, who could be available at this point. I think Peyton Pritchard is also getting some first-round bars. But either way, there are a lot of... Uh, Point guards of a similar skill set and uh, all, all would likely be available at this range. The other way I could see things going is Toronto taking a big man uh, with Marc Gasol heading over to Spain uh, and Sergi Barker, another free agent, uh, needing to be retained. Uh, he, he'll likely uh, be re-signed though and uh, might go on a cheaper deal. It is still worthwhile for the Raptors to address uh, their centre position uh, I don't know whether uh, or how attached they are to uh, Chris Boucher, but there are some uh, great centre prospects uh, in terms of how I view them available here at the 29th pick. And so with the, with the guy I've got them taking, uh, Zeke Naji. Uh, Naji had a super impressive season uh, with Arizona, uh, entered the year uh, maybe sitting behind uh, Josh Green and Nico Mannion. Mannion was getting lottery buzz, same with Green in the lottery to mid-first, and Zeke Naji was, was but an afterthought. Uh, but here, uh, he might just be the best NBA prospect uh, out of the three Arizona freshmen. And with Zeke Naji, uh, he is a hustle player. Uh, he's a... He's a Six foot eleven, uh, two hundred and forty pounds. Uh, super mobile and uh, agile, uh, especially in transition. Loves to run the floor, uh, and he's shown he's shown some shooting touch, which is quite exciting. Uh, he wasn't much of a shooting threat, uh, especially at th uh, behind the three point line at Arizona. Uh, but his mid range touch is uh, is really intriguing. And I definitely think at the next level, uh, he can stretch it out to three a bit better than what he showcased at Arizona. 
But if I'm the Raptors here, there are a lot of good uh, center options to look at. Uh, Zeke Naji is just one of them. Uh, if they if they feel they can play Paul Reed at the five, that could be really interesting uh, with his defensive versatility. Uh, there's uh, also not a center, but Tyler Bay, uh, just as a defensive-oriented uh, uh, forward. Uh, in my opinion, uh, one of the top three defenders in this draft class. Uh, there's also guys like Xavier Tillman, who I'm a huge fan of, uh, just in terms of what he can br- provide immediately. Uh, he's an intelligent defensive player. He's shown a little bit of mobility. He's a bit undersized, at probably around six foot eight, if we get official measurements. Uh, but he, his ability to play within an offense, he's probably one of the best short roll passes uh, out of all the big men in this class, and probably one of the best we've seen in recent drafts. Uh, and he is, a, is an efficient finisher around the rim. And just those con- combination of uh, tangible skills that can translate to the next level would make a great pick here for a playoff team uh, looking looking to to find a player who can contribute immediately. But I think Zeke Naji is likely to go before Xavier Tillman. Now with the 30th pick, I have the Boston Celtics selecting, uh, v- via the Milwaukee Bucks, uh, Paul Reed uh, from DePaul. Now, Reed, I, I could see going as high as 19th to the Nets, but I could also see him slipping to the late 30s, early 40s. It seems like his draft stock is a bit all over the show in terms of how NBA front officers view him, uh, but there is, a, there is a likely chance he goes first round, so I have him here. Uh, it's a pick that could likely be traded. There's not, not a lot of team team fit or team need taken into account here with the pick, uh, just due to the nature of the Celtics roster. But I've got Paul Reed here. So with Paul Reed, he provides quite a bit of defensive versatility uh, at the four, at the five. I think he might be a little more suited uh, to play the five at the next level, but definitely capable of uh, playing the powerful position. Uh, offensively, uh, he's uh, made some uh, great strides, and that is what has uh, pushed his draft stock into kind of the late first uh, in, in a lot of mock drafts. Uh, He's made improvements as a three-point shooter, uh, despite still having a bit of a funky shooting form, with a bit of a hitch in it, uh, which makes me question uh, his ability uh, to stretch the floor uh, as like a pick-and-pop option. But he he has shown the ability to hit those shots, uh, despite needing needing to refine those shooting mechanics. Uh, I feel he's also got some exciting shot, uh, shot creation potential. Uh, especially compared to someone like Tyler Bay, who I think at the next level is purely just a, a catch-and-shoot player. Um, same, same with a lot of these other guys uh, of similar archetypes. But Paul Reed, in, in glimpses, in flashes, has shown uh, that he can create off the dribble and, uh, despite looking his whack shot, uh, can actually make those uh, pull-up mid-range shots. So with Paul Reed. Uh, just just in general, a lot of versatility, uh, still some uh, fine-tuning that needs to be done in all aspects of the game, uh, but his year-to-year improvement is exciting, and uh, he could be a great addition uh, to any of these playoff teams uh, looking to add uh, some solid role players uh, in the future who, who can uh, really provide uh, you know the necessities of the game in terms of defensive coverage and uh, the ability to stretch the floor. So with that being said, thank you so much to listening to part two of uh, of my mock draft and the whole thing, if you listen to all of it. 
I'm super excited uh, to do another one when we're closer to the draft and there's a lot more certainty. Uh, but either way, I hope it was a fun experience. So thank you so much for listening. Uh, have an amazing day and I'll catch you next time.